Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today we're continuing our celebration of National Baking Month by paying tribute to two very important days within the month. National Peanut Butter Day and National Pie Day. Yep, we've combined them into one ultra-indulgent peanut butter pie. We'll also review our cream puffs from last week and take a look at 12 common kitchen mistakes. Which ones are we making? So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, we have one week of the new year under our feet, and I wanted to check in and see how you're doing on your resolutions. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) My resolutions were to organize my recipes, uh, to make more bread, and to just kind of embrace UK ingredients. I mean, I I guess I've done that in the last, you know, in the last bit, holistically. I have have, uh, been baking with delicious British cream and eggs and butter so I mm. guess I'll give myself a win there. I would I would yeah. definitely how about you <laughs> yeah. um I am doing okay I mean I had already started on my pantry and so that is continuing I'm still looking for um, more of those template style recipes so listeners if you have any recipes that are just sort of a base template of you know what you need and then you can swap out ingredients to get different flavors I would I would love to hear about that and I wanted to share about another app that I found Uh, that is helpful with resolutions it's called streaks and it lets you set up uh, your things that you want as a resolution I would think of it more as a habit Um, and they have some pre-filled in so you know some of the ones that were in the list already were things like floss your teeth and walk the dog and um, exercise. So I think, you know, the con- sort of the common New Year's resolutions and things that people do. Um, what I love about this app is it reminds me back in my school days. Uh, do you remember those big wall calendars like you would stick up on the wall? Um, and I would put the big red X through every single day. Yeah. <laughs> As I would count right. count down to, you know, like Christmas break or exams or finals or that sort of thing. And then yes. when I started working, I did a similar thing because in public accounting, of course, you're headed toward uh, April 15th. And so, again, I'd have okay. this big calendar and you'd be marking off the days. And I just got so much satisfaction from putting that X in the calendar every day. There's just something about it that appeals to my brain. So the other day I was on the internet and someone had posted a picture from her phone app and it basically was was similar to that uh, wall calendar but of course it's on your phone but it shows you how long you've kept a streak going and I thought oh this is going to be perfect for me so um, walk the dog I'm pretty good at I've, I've already ever since I got my dog about two years ago I pretty much walk him every day it's a very unusual day if I don't walk him so you know that was in there but um, you can also put things in there that aren't daily so I have like clean out the pantry uh, every you know 14 days 
And okay. um, one thing that I'm horrible at, and this should just be common sense and I'm no good at it, is drinking water. Um, especially on cold days, I can literally go an entire day of just drinking coffee and get to the end of the day and realize I've had no water. So I've added my my water drinking to my streaks app. So I'm hoping that that'll help me with some of my um, resolutions and keeping those. That's a great app to know about. Do you want my low-tech way of drinking more water? Yeah. Okay. Please. <laughs> so so sometimes what can be hard is that you don't have a glass or it's not – there's no kind of like reminder to you. So what I've heard is if you do have like a big kind of pitcher or a jug, maybe you make orange juice in it or, you know, yes, something like that. I do. If you go ahead and fill that up at the beginning of the day – and I like to put – I always drink water with lemon – but you could do like other flavored water like cucumber or some people like even like mint or rosemary, some kind of herb. And then so you just have it ready to go. So instead of saying to yourself like I have to drink 12 glasses today, you're just like, no, I just have to drink that pitcher. And it's all ready for me. So every time I open, I don't really have to think about it. It's just kind of there. I don't know. It's just kind of changing the measurement and the way you think about yeah. it. So in the past, that's helped. That's helped me. I think. But, I think that would yeah. work for me because it gives you that visual too. It, you you know, exactly. especially if it's sitting out on my kitchen counter. I'm kind of one of those weird people. I don't like my water very cold. I definitely don't like ice in it. So I, I actually like room temp, room temp water. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that I was going to try, and um, it's called habit stacking. And so it's. Um, for example, if you already have a habit that you do regularly, you attach a new habit that you want to that one. So I'm going to try this with two. So I already walk my dog every day. So I've thought to myself, I'm going to bring a water bottle with me on that walk. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. then the other one, um, I already, like one of the preset suggestions was flossing your teeth, which again, that's something I do every day. I don't even think about it. But some, right. something that I'm horrible about doing is taking my vitamins. So what I, what I have now on my counter, I've got my vitamins and I've got them, you know, right there on the bathroom counter. And I'm going to try and train myself that every time I'm done flossing my teeth, I take my vitamins. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Well, uh, one thought I had about my resolution for organizing recipes. Do you know when you have that task and it's just, it just feels like such a drag yes. and it feels like so overwhelming and so you don't even want to get started? Well, I realized that it's very good to break a task like this into these little increments. So instead of saying, today I need to entirely organize all of my recipes and clean this all up and have a new system ready by 5 o'clock – no, today I can work on this for 15 minutes. And I'm really, I really love setting the timer on my phone for tasks. It makes it much easier for me. It somehow makes it fun for me just to say for the next 20 minutes, I'm folding laundry or for the next 15 minutes, I'm organizing these recipes. And you get as far as you can and that's your progress. And then you put it away and you've accomplished you know, something. Definitely you're yeah. like on the road to success, but you don't have to do it on one big bite and I it's just a good reminder right well and you're the you're the one who taught me about the Pomodoro method which is exactly that it's you know 25 minutes of concentrated work and then a five minute break so I had another suggestion for you on your recipes but I was afraid to say it for fear you might just um be be (laughs) horrified but I'm gonna go ahead and suggest it um oh my gosh set fire to them what is it going to be (laughs) Get ready, everyone. And this also this also applies to people who tell me that they're going to organize their email one day, right? That they have an inbox okay. with like 2,000 items and they're going to sit down and organize it. Okay. Here is what I say. 
No, you're not. Uh, so, <laughs> and especially you're not going to do it if you're dreading it. So here's what I suggest instead. Take that recipe book and set it aside and create yourself a brand new binder. And as you reach for an old recipe or as you find a new recipe, just start a new binder. And that way, it will naturally call itself. By the end of the year, the things that you have never gone into the old binder and looked for and needed are probably not things that you need. What? Do you- uh, excuse me. I <laughs> what? I passed out there for a moment. <laughs> I mean that. That's my thought. So same thing with email. Do not try and sit and go through your two thousand emails. Move all of those emails into an old fold into a folder called you know, read one day when I have time or something like that. And start fresh with a new email inbox and move things accordingly as they come in. And if you have to go into your old email inbox, well, that then is something that you need to save. But otherwise, you can just let those things go. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the same philosophy behind – I don't know, like giving away clothing or yeah. something. You know, just there's that philosophy where you just like box it up, tape out, tape the box, put some kind of deadline on yes. the outside. And then if you haven't gone for that box in two months or whatever your deadline you set, then you're just like, that's it. You yeah. know, I can just donate that safely now. I think, um, I think it's very, I think you're very wise. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I think <laughs> part of what I don't dread the task, I actually, I think I enjoy it a little too much. And so it becomes not only, um, it's like I like to reminisce and oh. I like to say, oh, that looks so good. And when would I make that? Mm. And it's, so it's more of like a, I don't know, it's just like it's going to take me time to kind of okay. like revisit all of these. But two. it is so, pleasurable time. Yes, it okay. is. But at the same time, I know what you're saying. Like in all honesty, I could probably, as you say, just put that away. And I would never be like, where's that, you know, Rice Krispie Treats <laughs> made in the plastic egg at Easter time <laughs> recipe? <laughs> Or why do I even need a recipe for that? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. And I think that's just the world we live in, that nothing's ever really gone. Yeah. So if there was something I was just like, where, oh, my, I used to have that, then I could probably find it somewhere that's on true. the internet, you know? That's true. Yeah. I know. Okay, wise words. All right. Well, check back. Either I will be, you know, jettisoning, you know, years worth <laughs> of collection here. <laughs> In one single unsentimental stroke. I'm not <laughs> or I'm not suggesting burning them, by the way. That okay. sounds really over the top to me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Or I will be actually tackling down, doing some pomodoros and, and getting to that task. Yeah. So, okay. We'll see. Well, speaking of recipes, it is time to review our classic cream puffs from Martha Stewart. This month is, lo and behold, National Baking Month, and we thought we would celebrate National Cream Puff Day, which is uh, January 6th. So that was, you know, just last weekend. I hope you're all making up your cream puffs. Andrea, we were both a little trepidatious about going into this recipe. Um, had You and I both had some kind of big time fails with some Martha Stewart recipes, frankly, mm-hmm. and um, had never made uh, a, a really classic um, cream puff. So a cream puff is a um, light and airy pastry that you fill with a pastry cream, a sweetened vanilla pastry cream. There's lots of eggs both in the dough and then in the pastry cream. Andrea, I'm going to let you um, kick this review off. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. I'm so excited. Um, These were so easy and so good. So first of all, my apologies to Martha. (laughs) Yeah. 
I I sort of uh, set it up last time when we were talking about it, like, oh, I bet these are going to not be easy, like she says, and there's not going to be enough specific. She's going to assume I know too much. But I found uh, the recipe really easy to make. Now, a couple of things I would suggest. First of all, the pastry cream has to chill for two hours. So I suggest you make your pastry cream first. And then Good point. you turn around and make your cream puffs. So the pastry cream was really easy. Um, it is just sugar, cornstarch, milk, egg yolks, butter, and then you know a little bit of vanilla and salt. And you cook that over medium heat until it comes to a boil. You let boil for one minute and then remove it. And you um, strain it through a fine mesh sieve into a bowl. This is where, on reading the recipe, I thought to myself, oh, sure, Martha, like I'm really going to get that pastry cream through the sieve. But it did. You know, I used a, a wooden spoon and just sort of scraped a little bit. And it came out quite nicely. It didn't curdle. Um, I tasted it. I thought it tasted delicious. It reminded me a lot of our Boston cream pie pastry cream filling. And yep. so I popped that into the fridge and, you know, it says at least two hours or up to two days. So you could make this, if you were short on time, you could make it a day or two ahead of time. Then I turned my attention to the cream puffs, which is where I was actually most nervous because, again, I had never made a pastry uh, on the stovetop. And so, right. you know, you combine your ingredient. This is the butter, the water, the flour, and the eggs, and you bring it to a boil. Um, you know, you – again, I find her – her instructions a little nonspecific. I mean, she says, continue to stir until a film forms on the bottom of the pan. Well, I, I don't know about you, but it's like mine was just sort of like a dough already. So I don't know that I, I really knew if it was a film forming. But anyway, I, I felt like I did a good job. Yeah, I think that I think that was a, a kind of poetic okay. instruction <laughs> yeah. in this otherwise like very technical recipe. Okay. But but it really did. I think it just it, it did very quickly. Mine it did exactly as yours. It turned to the dough and then I looked down, I was like, Oh, there also happens to be what I would call a yeah. film on the bottom yeah. of I mean, my pot. The, so yeah, okay. The minute yes. you stir your flour and that film was pretty much there. So Yeah. Um and then you take it off of the heat and I, I did move it over into a bowl to let it cool a little bit, and then you add your eggs one at a time. Um, I did, uh, I, this is one spot where I messed up, but I don't think it caused a problem. Her, her fourth instruction is about the egg wash and making, you know, mm -hmm. which is just, um, your egg and water and you set it aside. And I did that ahead of time. And because I did it ahead of time, I then forgot to actually put my egg wash onto my pastry. So, um, I put my pastry into my pastry bag and um, shout out to my sister-in-law, Mimi, that sent me some pastry bags with some really cool Russian piping tips. I have not yet um, used those. I'm a little bit intimidated by it, but I've watched the video Ooh. and it looks super exciting, so I can't wait to try it. But anyway, I was able to use her pastry bags that she sent me instead of normally I use a Ziploc and I felt, yep. I felt very professional. Again, I do find that I am only able to pipe in swirls. <laughs> Um, it's your trademark. It's my trademark. Yeah. And I decided that was just fine for my cream puffs. I mean, who cares what they look like was my thought. Um, I forgot to brush them with the reserved egg wash. But I did bake them um, about 30 minutes. I baked each sheet separately because um, – you know, it may, her serving size, it says it makes about 28. Mine actually made 24. I did 12 on each sheet. And I just thought, you know, when you want something that's rising and golden brown, a lot of times you don't want two sheets in the oven at the same time. 
And I needed my pastry cream to continue to chill anyway. So I thought, yeah, I'll just, um, you know, let this take its time and let those puffs cool once they come out. And it says those can be stored at room temperature for up to a day. So I took her up on that offer. I went to bed and I let, you know, my pastry cream chill in the fridge. My puffs were stored at room temperature on the counter. And the next morning... I actually put the pastry cream into the pastry bag and piped it into the bottom of each pastry. Um, I had a little bit trouble with the first two because as you're piping in, you don't know how full it's getting until it starts right. to ooze out. So yeah. I quickly discovered that the count of three was the perfect amount uh, for my size Good pastry tip. tip. And so I would count to three with each one. And uh, I served those for breakfast <laughs> that morning and they were fabulous. I love them so much. Yay! I'm so, I'm so, so, so happy. Um, sounds like we had really similar experiences. They were very fun, very easy as well to make. I just, I thought they were so delicious. They were so elegant. They were like super easy to eat. They're delicious. Yes. Uh, but they're really impressive. This isn't a dessert that you're like seeing all the time. Um the only, you know, the only couple of things I would add to to your review, um, when you are, you have removed the uh, flour, butter, sugar combo from the heat, you're beating in the eggs. I used a whisk for my first egg, mm. but then it, it gets it gets more uh, stiff as you're beating in the additional eggs. So then at some point I switched to a spoon, but it looks like it splits every time and you have to really be vigorous to beat it back together. And it will come back together as it should, mm-hmm. but if you only are kind of timid about it or, or not very vigorous, it will look like it's splitting. So you just want to be, a good point. you know, yeah, be just really heavy handed there. Yeah, no worries. Go at it. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. I also didn't use an egg wash, but it's because in general, egg washes really irritate me. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. So I always feel, so So it's one thing I think when you're doing like a large pie mm-hmm. and I can justify like, I'm going to probably use, so an egg wash is just an egg with either some cream or here there's water or a little bit of milk. And it's just, it's just a aesthetic thing. You, you brush it on the top of a pastry or a cream puff to have a nice kind of even browning. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind when it's something big and I'm going to use that whole egg. Mm -hmm. It really bugs me when I have 24 like fairly small cream puffs and I've used like, I don't know, a quarter of an egg. So mine browned just fine without the egg wash. So I say that's an optional thing. I always look at egg wash as optional. Yeah, mine browned beautifully without the egg wash. And I agree with you. Egg washes used to irritate me until I got a dog. And now, just, <laughs> just as I usually get a cook's treat when I'm baking, my dog knows when I start well, baking that he is generally going to get the leftover egg wash because it's, you know, it's egg it. and water. I don't usually do it with milk or cream. I do it with water. So he really enjoys the egg wash. And, and with this recipe where I completely forgot to put it on, I mean, that was a whole egg for him. So bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He loves cream he puff day. When's that coming around again? Cream puff day. Yes. Um, I mentioned I served this for breakfast the first time because I think it is kind of it felt kind of breakfasty to me. I don't even know why. I, I don't know that I've ever had a cream puff for breakfast, but I guess because it was a little bit plain mm-hmm. and it was coming out of my fridge, so it was you know the the pastry cream was cold, the um, cream puffs themselves weren't cold those were room temp but the pastry creams were cold and so it just sort of felt like it's kind of a one of those refrigerator items you would get at a bakery but then I repurposed it the next day I pulled them out 
right before making dinner. So this time they were more um, room temperature and I made a homemade hot fudge sauce with some delicious cocoa powder that uh, my husband gifted me for Christmas. So this came from a um, sort of a boutique chocolate store in Seattle called Intrigue Chocolates. And it was a cocoa with cinnamon, which you can Mm -hmm. imagine my hesitation. Mm. I was like, yes, you're not the world's biggest cinnamon fan. I know. I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about this, but I loved it. And I just, um, I put a little bit of the cocoa into a pan with some, uh, just a dot of heavy cream and a little bit of butter, whisked that up, heated it up. I poured it over the cream puffs and I said, would anyone like some profiteroles? Uh, There you go. We loved it that way, too, because the sharpness, that chocolate was a really dark, bitter uh, chocolate that I used. And that sharpness was sort of the plainness of the pastry cream and the delicate uh, cream puff. Oh, my gosh. So good. So this recipe, I mean, I just want to say, Martha, I am sorry I doubted you. (laughs) And this one is definitely going into my saved recipes and I'm going to be using it because you can do everything ahead of time. You could do this whole thing two days ahead of time. And I've had them on day two and they're equally as good. Yeah, and I did the same thing. So I baked both of my cream puffs, uh, the shell, uh, on one day, but I only filled half of them. And then I just put, I wrapped them up and then I put the extra pastry cream back in the fridge and I just filled them again fresh the next day and it was perfect. Um, I had some pastry cream left over, but I thought my, uh, I thought my pastry cases were well filled. So Mm -hmm. maybe it just makes a little bit extra. I didn't want to have so much in there that it was like gushing all over as you're trying to take a bite, but I didn't want to be skimpy with it either. So I thought, um, I thought that pastry cream recipe, actually I put TNT, which um, listeners clued us in a few months ago that stands for tried and true I think this pastry cream is a tried and true for me it was so fast so delicious so many applications so Mm -hmm. I'm so happy cream puff day was a success it was a huge success so listeners we definitely give this one two thumbs up and we hope that you will try it on your own um and now we're on to another recipe that I'm excited about. So what's up for us next month, Stefan? Or next week? Yeah, so next week is actually um, funny that you you said that because in February we're going to be doing pie school again, which we did in 2017. So all of our episodes in 20, uh, February 2018 will be uh, devoted to pie camp, pie school. Uh, so, But it's also National Baking Month. And, Andrea, it is National pie day in January and national peanut butter day so we thought let's do a peanut butter pie Mm. I have very strong opinions about (laughs) peanut butter pie (laughs) of course they do I only have one strong opinion which is yum okay all right well this is this is probably the best opinion to have about a peanut butter pie I've never made one so I'm really excited but I've I've had them and um you know my husband loves peanut butter more than anything on this earth the reason that I chose this one specifically, it's it's a very easy, it's a cookie crumb crust. It's an Oreo cookie crust. I'm happy to tell you, I know everyone was waiting with bated breath. Yes, I can get Oreos here in the UK. Uh, <laughs> you get to crush up your Oreos with some butter. It's just very easy cookie crust. Okay. Then it's a bunch of creamy peanut butter with some powdered sugar. It's almost like listener... Uh, Oh, gosh. A few months ago, um, we had someone making Buckeyes. Please, please, please jog my memory. Dana. Dana. Listener Dana. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dana. Um, It's almost like a Buckeye filling. So you've got your creamy peanut butter and your your powdered sugar. And then you're going to melt chocolate chips, um, make kind of a quick ganache with chocolate chips and whipping cream on top. 
The reason that I chose this recipe is oftentimes peanut butter pie has a peanut butter cream cheese component. I'm very against this. <laughs> I like my cream cheese and my peanut butter, but never the twain shall meet, especially in my peanut butter pie. I think there it just adds this tanginess yeah. I don't want. So I was really happy to see it's just nothing but pure peanut butter here. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yes. I am super excited about trying this. So, okay, this is a yeah, so this is a no bake in fact, that's the title, the best no bake peanut butter pie. And this comes to us from a blog called kevinandamanda.com. Uh Kevin and Amanda have a food and travel blog. So, uh we're happy to try this one out. I think it's going to delight my family members. Peanut butter and chocolate is a classic combination here uh, at Casa Cone. So, Ugh. There you have it. I can't wait. Uh, We'll have those links for both the cream puffs and also for this peanut butter pie up on our website, which is preheatedpodcast.com. And you can also find it on our Pinterest boards under the uh, January 2018 recipes and our Facebook page. So hope you bake along with us. Moving on to a new topic, we're going to take a look at 12 baking mistakes you didn't know you were making. Uh, it's so tense. So tense. This comes to us courtesy of Reader's Digest, which I haven't looked at since I visited my grandparents back when I was about eight years old and, <laughs> and used to read things like humor in uniform and not understand the jokes. So life in these United yes, States. Yes, that, right? that was the other one. Um, so let me just run through the uh, mistakes first, and then we can talk about which ones maybe jump out at us. So n- okay. number one, you ignore commas in the recipe. Number two, you like to check on your cake in the oven. Number three, you use cold ingredients. Number four, you skip the crumb coat of frosting. Number five, your oven is too hot. Number six, you cut room temperature sugar cookie dough. Number seven, you use the wrong baking sheet. Number eight, you don't cool baking sheets between batches. Number nine, your meringue is contaminated. Number (laughs) 10, you separate egg whites from the yolk using the shells. Number 11, Mm. you store your cupcakes in an airtight container. And number 12 is not available. I've scoured the article twice. (laughs) And even though it is titled 12 Baking Mistakes You Didn't Know You Were Making, apparently one of those mistakes is leaving off mistake number 12. What if number 12 is the one, though? (laughs) I don't know if that was uh, an editor who chopped something out or maybe just something What if I'm like endangering my family every time I'm making the 12th kitchen mistake? (laughs) No, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. But are are you seeing yourself in any of those 12? Did any um, jump out at you as ones that you realized you were doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually two. Um, I learned to separate eggs using the shell, and I have done that forevermore. Um, so I understand uh, that it's a thing about if the shell is somehow contaminated that you're just like increasing the risk of the contamination spreading to the yolk or the a or the white or whatever part you're you're going to use. But I, that's how I have always done it. I've never had a problem. Did you notice though how they said to to uh, separate the egg? They said to use a turkey baster. I've never heard that one. (laughs) So I had a lot of issues with this one. So if they want to call this a baking mistake, I am going to argue. Because I also have always separated egg egg whites from the yolk using the shell. And, and, you know, in the writing under this one, they say don't waste time and possibly your eggs by tipping your yolks back and forth. It's like don't waste time. How much time does that take? Like two seconds. And then it says – 
grab the rubbery end of your turkey baster to suck up the yolks from the whites I, I, for a quick and no mess solution. So in what world is this a no mess solution? Because now you have a turkey baster full of egg whites. This is crazy. Yeah, you, you you're gonna have to dig that out. That's gonna be impossible to clean. You have just wasted all your spent time or your your saved time yeah. uh, by by using the turkey baster. I thought that was ridiculous. I also remember that back in episode twenty six, we were at the intimidation station. We were talking about egg egg whites and that was never I, I think the majority of people who answered our Facebook thing were all like yeah I use the shell right. like you know right. yeah so I thought that was hilarious but I do it so that's that's my kitchen mistake I guess mm-hmm. um let's see what else uh, the other thing, which was more recent, is so back in episode 48, we made our pumpkin donut muffins, and we both had this issue that arose in which they, they got a little weepy on the second day, and this mistake was that I'm storing my muffins in an airtight container. Well, I realized I had done. So oh. they say just put a piece of foil over the top. Don't put them in a Tupperware. That seems that seems like not a long-term storage solution to me. <laughs> I don't I'm not sure about that, but maybe you can try it and, and taste and discover the difference. Yeah, I guess. Um, let's see. I always skip a crumb coat. I I don't. I just I guess maybe I'm doing it and I don't call it that, but I've never had any complaints on my frosted cakes. Uh, then the other one was, um, is my oven too hot? Well, I know it's not because back in episode five, we talked about calibrating yes. our oven. So I know how to do that. And I know that mine is what it says it is. How about you, Andrea? Any that you are surprised to find you were making? Well, I also had checked off uh, number 10 of separating my egg whites from the yolks. But like I said, I'm not changing that. Um, but I, I'm guilty on number eight. I don't cool baking sheets between batches. Oh, and yeah. in fact, um, I cannot remember the person who saw me do this, but someone was in my kitchen with me. So either a friend or a family member. And I had learned that, oh, I, I need to cool them off between batches. So what I was doing was I was sliding my cookies off, and I, I often bake on parchment paper. So I would just slide the whole sheet of parchment paper off onto the counter. And then I was throwing the cookie sheet into the sink and running hot water or cold water on it to cool it down. And whoever was with me at the time, I apologize, I can't remember who this is, I remember her saying to me, oh, your cookie sheets don't warp when you throw cold water on yeah. the hot pan? And I went, yeah. I went, Oh, I just thought I was buying cheap cookie sheets that kept warping. It had never occurred to me that Why can't I, I keep a cookie sheet was the person causing this to happen. So oh. that was a big revelation for me. Um, so definitely number eight. I also put a little check mark next to number three of using cold ingredients. So I mentioned back uh, a few episodes ago that I have gotten better about letting my eggs get to room temperature. Um, not having the microwave is the tricky thing here. So I really do have to remember to take my butter out the night before I bake. And when I don't, I'm using your tip you taught me of filling a Pyrex bowl with hot water and then dumping it out and putting the butter in there. I also have a little warming tray on my coffee maker, so sometimes I'll put my butter on there. But yeah, I am a a little bit guilty on that one. The meringue contamination was terrifying. Um, So, (laughs) you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, you read these articles, and and I I think uh, listener Karen was the one who was intimidated by meringue. And I don't blame her because you read these articles, and it's like, your bowl must be chilled. Your beaters must be chilled. You must not have the tiniest bit of grease or other residue. And I guarantee you, 
my meringue turns out every time. I never chill my bowl. I never chill my beaters. And there's no possibility in the world that there's not the tiniest bit of grease in my bowl. So I just yeah. I just think this is one that, I mean, maybe occasionally it doesn't turn out. But I just don't think meringue is as hard as it's cracked up to be. Ahaha. Uh, Another pun. You're t- I think you're two episodes for two now with your little your little baking puns. You know what I do um, just to safeguard if I'm doing uh, whipping in the KitchenAid is, and I don't know where I read this years ago, you just take a piece of lemon and you s- just wipe out the bowl with the lemon. So if there is any well, grease in there, okay. it, it uh, I don't know, it... Um, it cuts it and and then you wouldn't have that problem but yeah I'm with you I these kind of articles make people scared you know part of becoming better in the kitchen is is making these mistakes you know at least once so that you can learn from them I suppose so and and that is actually why I enjoyed this article was to see how many of the things that I have learned over time you know like number two you like to check on your cake in the oven we talked about that when we were talking about calibrating your oven and how you should always turn on your oven light and not you know open the door Um, And, you know, the using the correct uh, baking sheet, you know, I've gotten better about using my parchment paper and using my baking sheets and and that type of thing. I completely misread number one, which is you ignore commas in the recipe, meaning the Mm -hmm. punctuation mark. And so the, the text there is talking about how one cup of walnuts, comma, chopped is different than one cup of chopped walnuts. But when right. I read the title, I thought it said, you ignore comments in the recipe. And I thought to myself, oh, oh. that is true. I do do that. It's not that I ignore oh. them. It's just that I don't always read them. So maybe that was number 12. I was just, <laughs> just going to say. <laughs> is you don't read That's comments. the mystery 12. Yeah. Uh, so let's add that in. That is our mystery 12. Okay. And, it, yeah. and I'm going to call it, you don't read comments in the recipe. And I do find when I read those, they're so helpful because, you know, if you see over and over and over again people saying, I had to increase my baking time or I had to increase my temperature or I found this was too sweet and I cut back on the sugar, you know, it just gives you that heads up so you can modify ahead of time. And very often the recipe authors will comment on the comments and say, you know, yeah. give you even more information or say, oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I did this in my tiny apartment kitchen and here's why I did it this way. But your way makes more sense if you have a full size kitchen or, you know, it's very helpful. So, yeah, I'm going to jump on uh, mistake number 12 that doesn't exist and say read the comments. Okay. And I mean, even if you're not online, if it's just a cookbook uh, recipe, oftentimes there'll be a note from the author or some kind of, of comment too. And I've been burned more than one occasion that the recipe will continue with the comments like on the next page. And then I didn't think to flip the page. So I always oh. really thoroughly read a recipe now for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, that is a good thing to start doing. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. Next week, we'll celebrate Hot Tea Month and National Shortbread Day with an Earl Grey shortbread. We'll also review our peanut butter pie and take a look at some hot food trends. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook, and Pinterest. You can also download us on Google and Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you subscribe to the show. And please do tell your friends about us. That will help other people find us. 
In fact, here's a great review from iTunes. I'm going to give a quick readout from Lady C717. She said, Preheated is such a fun listen. Stefan and Andrea have great chemistry. I always feel like I'm eavesdropping on a really fun conversation between two interesting women. They share some great recipes and tips. The recipes I've tried have been scrumptious, and there are many more on the website I'm eager to try. So whether you like to bake or not, Preheated is a blast to listen to. So thank you. Thank you, Lady C. (laughs) Thank you, Lady C. Um, Anyone else, if you have the time to go on iTunes and write us a review, we'd really love it. That is um, how our show gets to appear in rankings and show up for other people. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.